Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. These railroad workers, they're very skilled. A shutdown would grind our economy to a halt. They're trying to force the air marshals off the planes and down to the border. FTX failure is an unacceptable reoccurrence. Sam Bakewinfried lied to and stole from over one million customers. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a Friday. Looking forward to a good weekend. Actually, weather-wise, a little rain tomorrow night, but otherwise uh, pretty nice and warm. Uh, Jobs report came out this morning, and uh, good news, bad news. Uh, What happened? Yeah. That's what we're all asking, Joe. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today that 263,000 payrolls were added in November, while the U.S. unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.7 percent, still up from earlier this fall when we saw a 3.5 percent unemployment in uh, September. While the unemployment rate was expected to remain unchanged, the number of jobs reported in November beat the estimate of 200,000 new jobs. Here's the real the real deal is this, though, is the labor participation rate in November. It was at sixty two point one percent. That's relatively low. That means there's thirty eight percent approximately uh, unemployed. Who perhaps aren't being counted in the unemployment number. Uh, Obviously, they are not. But uh, one would have to say that uh, it, it is it is still lower than it was in February of 2020. And uh, it ought to be growing. It's not so much for Build Back Better with uh, Cousin Eddie. Uh, top line numbers, expectation and other data in the report show that the economy is still struggling overall. There are still 6 million unemployed and another 127,000 Americans became permanent job losers in November. So in other words, after a while, what what they're saying here is this unemployment number is not a real number because after a while they just say, okay, well, that person is, we're just going to take them off the rolls because they're never, you know, they've, they've been unemployed for too long. So we'll just pretend they don't exist anymore. Communism has come to sports. Have you heard about this? The women's soccer team, the U.S. women's soccer team, will get half of the winnings from the men's soccer team. After the United States men's national team defeated Iran earlier this week at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, the athletes who secured the hard-won victory for America landed a significant payday of at least $13 million. Now, it could in- increase depending on whether or not they win any more games. But now they've come out and said the U.S. women's national team, under the umbrella of equity, they will get half the winnings. Now, first of all, the, the, the United States Soccer Association will take 10% off the top. And who, who knows who else will get some. But so let's say it's, it goes $13 million, $1.3 million to the organization. You've got approximately $11 million. It will be split between the men's team and the women's team in the name of equity. So the women's team, they actually won their World Cup 
a few years back. I think they won a uh, one year in 2015. They won two million dollars as the champions. That doubled to four million in 2019 when they also took the top stop, stop the the top spot. Now they didn't share it with the guys, but now that the guys are going to win some 13 million at least, and again it could go higher depending on how far they go. Half that, half the the net proceeds that would go to the guys is going to be split in half and split with the women. Communism comes to sports, and uh, it's all done in the name of equity. Now, even Don Lemon, the liberal Don Lemon of CNN, even he recognizes, wait a minute, this doesn't seem fair. What's going on here? The guys have a bigger following. Sorry, ladies, I'm not saying you don't play hard. I'm not saying you don't deserve it, but... It's based on how many people you attract, how much money you make. I mean, the Men's World Cup is supposed to rake in some $400 million. And I, I don't know what the women's, I think the women might have gotten in, um, let's see, the men, $440 million. That's how, no, that's just how much prize money there is. Uh, the women's 2019 World Cup distributed $30 million, and it's because of how much money they bring in. Obviously, people around the world are scrambling to follow the men's World Cup. While there was a lot of interest in the women's World Cup, not nearly as much. You know, what's interesting about this is, stop and think about it, in athletics and entertainment, by entertainment, Hollywood, television, movies, it's, it's based on what you produce. If you don't have a following, you don't get paid. If you do have a following, you do get paid. If you have the talent, you get paid. In sports, if you can f- throw a fastball 110 miles an hour and in the strike zone every time, great breaking ball, you're going to make a lot of money. If you walk 20 batters a game, you're not going to make a lot of money. If the movies you make have got a huge following, everybody loves it, they make millions and millions and millions of dollars, you're going to get paid a lot of money because people like what they see. But now that we have socialism have come into sports, what is that going to do to sports? Now, I, I, you know, I, I'd say in the Men's World Cup, the men will still make a, a, a lot of money. Especially, I mean, soccer is compared to other sports in the United States is really not that popular. So you'll still have people want to play. But if this kind of thing went to Hollywood, let's say, or went to Major League Baseball, is everybody in Major League Baseball is going to make the same amount of money? And whatever Major League Baseball gets, they've got to now share this with some women's league. I mean, let's, let's, well, here's a better example. The NBA and the WNBA. Should the NBA players, first of all, should everybody in the NBA make the same amount of money? Secondly, should the NBA take their money, pull it with the WNBA, we'll split it up, and everybody, every team gets the same amount of money, and every player on every team gets the same amount of money. How well do you think that would work? How well do you think the players, how hard do you think they would play? 
Well, that's what we're doing to soccer. Can't make it up. So, 2024 presidential election. I know it's all, you're, you're sick of politics, right? We just, just finished the midterms. Town Hall is reporting Governor Ron DeSantis is holding a slight lead over, um, actually, it's a pretty big lead over Joe Biden. I, again, this is amongst Georgia voters in a poll, hypothetical poll. Emerson College took it. But uh, DeSantis received 47% compared to Biden's 43%. Tom's only four percentage points. And a presidential election, four percentage points would be quite a bit. And this is in Georgia where we've seen what has happened. Now, Kemp won pretty big over Stacey Abrams. But right now we've got Herschel Walker and uh, Warlock. And, you know, there was, what was the difference in that race? I mean, it was less than 1%. In a new Marquette law poll, both DeSantis and Biden secured 42% support from registered voters asking, who do you want to run? Now, this wasn't a preference one over the other. It just they went to the voters and said, who do you want in your party to run? Both of them got the high, the high watermarks. Both of them came at 42%. When asked about a possible Trump-Biden 2024 ticket, um, that was a little closer. Should Biden decide to run again, the the poll found that 44% of voters supported him, 43% supported Trump. It's, well, you know, I I love what Donald Trump did as a populist president. I loved how he stood up to the woke crowd. But uh, obviously, you have to ask yourself at this stage, can he win the White House back? Washington Times is reporting a former top FBI official is backed out of a scheduled testimony at the House Judiciary Committee to address claims that the Biden administration pressured agents to label cases as domestic extremism or white supremacy. This, according to the panel's top Republican That would be uh, Jim Jordan. Jill Stanborn, former assistant director of FBI counterterrorism division and executive assistant of its national security branch, was scheduled to sit down for a transcribed interview with members of the Judiciary Committee today. However, at the last minute, Ms. Sanborn backed away and said, nope, can't make it. In a letter to Ms. Sanborn... Mr. Jordan said her decision gives rise to concerns about your stated intentions to willing, willingly cooperate. Although your current attorney has professed that you have sought to cooperate with your oversight, with our oversight, your actions over the past four months show a pattern of obstruction and failure to take accountability for your actions, Mr. Jordan wrote. Your decision leaves us little choice but to consider compulsory process of obtaining your testimony early in the 118th Congress. Ms. Georgian, uh, Mr. Jordan rather said Ms. Samborn backed out after she sought legal guidance from the Justice Department and Democrats on the Judiciary Committee. Well, wait a minute. I thought the FBI was supposed to be nonpolitical, right? I mean, that's what, the, that's what they've told us, you know, since all this concern over the January 6th Committee, over the uh, situation in the 2016 election where we saw obviously that there was uh, political partisanship on the FBI. 
They've come out and said, no, 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 no. We're not political. No, we have no, we have no political agenda. And yet after this woman was supposed to go testify, this woman, the former assistant director at the FBI counterterrorism division, she said, well, you know what? I talked to the Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, a.k.a. Merrick Garland. We know how biased he is. And then I talked to Democrats on the Judiciary Committee. And they said, nah, you better not go testify. Huh. An FBI whistleblower said this year that Ms. Sanborn was among those in the FBI who allegedly pushed agents to reclassify cases to meet internal bureau metrics in order to make the threat from right-wing and supremacist groups to make them seem larger and more active than they actually were. In other words, the uh, this is this is unbelievable, especially for the FBI. I mean, how many times do do we have people that go to the FBI to find out what the actual numbers are when it comes to crime, when it comes to use of a gun, when it comes to murder rates, everything. I mean, it, we, we rely upon the FBI day in and day out to give us accurate numbers. And now we find out that while they have come up with certain statements about how bad white supremacy is, how bad domestic terrorism is, now we have whistleblowers Oh, yeah, they make these statements, and then we have people like Ms. Samborn who goes backtracks and says, okay, let us now find the cases, create the cases, fictitiously make up the cases to justify the statistics we've come out with. Committee Republicans responded by sending a letter to Ms. Samborn asking her to explain what happened, saying it's critical to their investigation into the public, the politicalization of the FBI. Current and former FBI agents told the Washington Times last month the top bureau leaders have already determined that white supremacy is a problem and they are classifying cases to fit that narrative. Bingo. Uh, it is It is a sad day. It is a scary day when we see so many agencies, federal agencies, being weaponized. And, and listen, it's, uh, believe it or not, in this pile of stories, I've got a story here that um, even, where is it? Yeah, Elise Stefanik, House Republican Conference chairwoman. She says the U.S. Postal Service have stolen hundreds, a, a total of $20,000 in campaign contributions, stolen out of the envelopes that were addressed to her campaign. A letter from the U.S. Post Office's Phonics campaign confirms its mail was targeted for theft at a post office shipping center. Fox News exclusively obtained photos of the mail recovered by the post office, as well as a letter from Stefanik's campaign legal counsel to Postmaster General Louis, Louis DeJoy regarding the issue. The photos show several packages torn into from the top, as well as a ripped check that was not taken probably accidentally ripped it <laughs> don't want to don't want to cause any concern if you go to ch- uh, cash a ripped check that's been scotch taped together stefanik's campaign says the post office workers opened the mail from the campaign over now this wasn't just a one occasion four separate packages on three separate dates one in june one in october one in november 
The alleged theft saw hundreds of donor checks totaling over $20,000 lifted from secured packages. And again, we've got the weaponization of the FBI, the DOJ, the IRS. Is it a stretch to now say, okay, the post office is joining in the weaponization? Uh, This is something that if we don't get a hold of, if we don't have the – and I I, look, I understand that there are a lot of people out there that are saying, you know what, if the Republicans spend all their time investigating what the Democrats have done, politically, it's it's not going to be good for them. People are going to get sick of all these investigations. The the January 6th – I mean, by the way, that was weaponization too – The January 6th committee, they're going to investigate them. But listen, if they don't do some investigation, and if they don't, and and by the way, don't do an investigation and not have any punishment attached to it. I mean, how how many times have we seen that happen? Oh, we investigated and and you're guilty and you better not do it again or else uh, we'll really be mad. Now, these people need to go to jail. I'd be honest with you. Now, if if these people have cashed the checks uh, and they catch them, they will go to jail. If it is merely incompetence on the on the part of the uh, post office, do you expect them to get fired? Do you expect them to go to jail? No. I mean, is it not a crime to open other people's mail? Is it not a crime to steal? Is it not even worse if you're working for the post office? But yet we just shrug our shoulders at it. And by the way, weaponization I think is real. I think I think it is. I think it's fair to make that accusation. I, I'm, I'm I'm accusing here. I don't have empirical evidence. Could it be incompetence? It could, but it's it's hard to imagine that you'd have one campaign that this would happen over and over again too. But the incompetence factor is is obvious. I mean, I, I, look, you talk to business after business. Here in eastern North Carolina, I'm sorry to say it, but here in eastern North Carolina, as well as up in D.C. or up in New York, wherever, the incompetence of the post office is mind-boggling. Business after business, they can't get their mail. Bills, checks, whatever, they can't get their mail on a regular basis. And this is what happens when an organization or a federal agency— is more concerned about intersectionality than they are with basic incompetence. Or, or <laughs> they are concerned about incompetence, basic competence. I mean, this is what you end up with. When your concern is to check the box to make sure we have not the most competent people, but that we're checking the box for intersectionality. This is what you come up with. We've got to take a time out. Stay with us. Much more to talk about. News and Views for a Friday continues right after this. On Dasher, on Dancer, on Prince. Uh-oh. Low power. What's wrong, Santa? I'm losing touchscreen navigation. Oh, no. If I don't find a charging station, we won't be able to deliver the toys. Rely on our human power, and you'll find more time this holiday season. Maybe you shouldn't have replaced Rudolph with a fancy battery-powered EV sleigh. Biden made me buy this thing. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny, and this is Eastern Carolina's Place to Talk. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. It is December 2nd, National Mutt Day. Go hold, go hug your dog. 
National Mutt Day. Can't beat a mutt. Best dogs to... Yeah, there you go. Down boy, down boy. Uh, A quick look at your weather forecast. Partly cloudy tonight. Low 47. That's actually balmy compared to last night. Got down in the 20s. Uh, Saturday, considerable cloudiness. Occasional rain showers in the afternoon. Warm, a high of 69 to 70. Mostly cloudy skies tomorrow night, low of 42. Sunday, mainly cloudy, high of 53. A few clouds Sunday night with a low of 32. Uh, this reminder, Christmas with the Embers is back on December the 19th. It'll take place at the Re-Image Church in Winterville. And uh, once again, we're teaming up with the Pitt County Operation Santa Claus, be donating money and toys to help kids in need. Uh, every dime of this concert will go to uh, Operation Santa Claus. You can purchase your tickets online right now at WTIBFM.com. A great uh, concert. Great. Get you in the Christmas mood. It it takes place Christmas week, Monday, December 19th. Uh, Yeah, Christmas is that Sunday. Thanks to our sponsors, the Air Doctor, Hardee's, Fantastic Sam's, Greenville Utilities, Telco Credit Union, Speedy Oil Change and Auto Service, GoEco, 264 Shoes and Apparel, Greenville, Greenville Toyota, Para Electronics, Southern Bank, AmeriHealth, Caritas, North Carolina, and Specialty FDR. Our thanks to our sponsors, and I look forward to seeing you at the Embers concert on Monday, December 19th. Our old buddy, Keith Kidwell, the House Deputy Majority Whip, representing North Carolina's 79th District, is on the line with us. Keith, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Hey, Tom. Thanks for uh, having me on this afternoon. Hey, good stuff happening uh, in Washington on December the 17th. That would be two days before the Embers concert. That would be a Saturday. Tell us about what's going on at the Washington Warren Airport. Well, it's going to be a blast, Tom. We're doing the first of what we're going to bill as an annual event, drone and airplane show. So we're, as you well know, we've talked on the show previously, we're bringing the drone industry, not just, the, you know, any piece of it the manufacturing the proof of concept the actual application of it all to the beaufort county and surrounding areas and we're doing the first drone show to to let people see what the drones can actually do Hmm. uh so there'll be there'll be drone aerobatics going on there'll be uh three long uh different shows of aircraft spread throughout the day it's a day-long event starting at nine o'clock in the morning on saturday the 17th and it will go until 4 o'clock. There'll be food vendors there. There'll be technology folks there. The aircraft shows will be there. Great time to take the kids out, let them see what the aircrafts are all about. There'll be some static displays on the ground. Uh, it's it's going to be phenomenal. And, and like I said, we'll be doing this every year from here on out. And it's free to the public, but you do have to get a ticket to get in. The tickets are going fast. So where do we if, go to get uh, a ticket? folks want to get... Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to get them, get, go to flykcw.com. That's fly, F-L-Y-K-O-C-W.com, and you'll find links there where you can go get the tickets. They will be available at the gates, but we, we may run out. There's only 3,500 tickets going to go out. Uh, we are expecting a huge turnout, and this is uh, you'll get to see some of the work we're doing at the airport as well because we're expanding – the airfield there with an investment of about $20 million to uh, lengthen the runways, computerize everything. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. Great day. Great way to spend the holiday. 
uh, holiday time and out there with the children and let them see what aircraft are all about. So are we going to see a red sleigh coming in? Well, I don't, I don't know about that. There might be some red aircraft or drones, but <laughs> close enough, so, close enough. Well, yeah, well, why yeah. we, why we got you on the line, Keith? Where is us? Where is the progress on the drone industry and boots on the ground and shovels in the ground, that sort of thing? Well, we're actually the airport expansion is already underway. We've had steel delivered for new hangars. Uh, we're in negotiation with some very large corporations that are well known in, in the aeronautics industry. Uh, names I, I really can't get into them now. Of course, right. You know, they want to keep all this hush hush. But uh, we're we're in the process, dotting I's, crossing T's on contracts. We've got uh, you'll get to see some of them because they will be there for the drone show. So as an example, at the drone show, these are people that'll be represented there: Fed Data, Dell Technologies, Titan, True Weather Solutions, Metcon, uh, Talbot and Bright, and Iridium, uh, as well as the airport. H and R Block, of course, is sponsoring. Sesame Technologies, our own uh, aircraft industry right here in Beaufort County. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a lot, folks, a lot more than that coming. Matter of fact, if you're interested in sponsorship, uh, just send me an email, keith.kidwell at ncleg.gov, and, and I'll forward that on uh, to the appropriate people at the airport to let them know that somebody might be interested. I probably should have had somebody else's email, but that's all I've got right now. But it's, it's going to be phenomenal, Tom. The great thing is, is we're going to see a lot of jobs coming to this in eastern North Carolina. We're working with all of the colleges in North Carolina, the universities, ECU, NC State, Duke, working with all the community colleges and high schools in the area to gear up their education programs to accommodate these jobs that we will be bringing in in the next two to three years. So good things happening, jobs, aircraft shows. Uh, you know, get out there and meet some folks. There's going to be a lot of dignitaries there. The Secretary of Labor from North Carolina. We're thinking maybe even the uh, one of your good friends, Pete Buttigieg, may even actually show up. From what I'm told, one of my uh, good the, friends. The, uh, well, hey, listen, one uh, of your good friends. Yeah. Well, listen, if if Pete shows up and uh, Secretary of Transportation, kudos to uh, to him and to uh, I mean, it, it it couldn't hurt the cause. I wouldn't think. <laughs> That's my opinion as well. It's not going to hurt us any. So, <laughs> Sounds great. Keith, thanks for all you do for Eastern North Carolina. Uh, thank you for standing strong on conservative values and uh, all you're doing to uh, get this new industry up and running. Again, that's December 17th, the Washington Warren Airport Air Show, drone and airplane show, 4 a, um, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. To get your, tic- your free tickets, go to www.flykocw.com, right? You got it. Thank you, Tom. All right. You bet. Thanks, Keith. That will, uh, that should be a fun, that should be a fun weekend. You got an air show on Saturday. You got the embers coming in on Monday. Uh, interesting comments from Barack Hussein Obama. He was down in Georgia campaigning for Raphael Warlock ahead of uh, next Tuesday's election. It is next Tuesday, by the way. Be in prayer over that. Boy, they are really trying to vilify Herschel Walker. I mean, the guy cannot make a joke without everybody. everybody's going berserk, every liberal. You know, he makes a joke. Oh, this guy's serious. He's nuts. 
So, uh, and he he made some comment um, about an old movie he had seen one time with a werewolf and Dracula or something. Herschel Walker did. It was a joke. And he's talking about, the, I mean, it was a comparison to the good guys and the bad guys. And so Obama's down there, and basically he starts making fun of Herschel Walker that, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's some crazy old loon. Listen to what Obama says, though, talking about, hey, listen, every family has some crazy uncle. Cut one. We know some folks in our lives who we don't wish them ill will. They say crazy stuff. We're all like, well, you know, Uncle Joe, you know what happened to him. You know, it's okay. They're part of the family. But you don't give them serious responsibilities. (laughs) Of all the names he could have chosen, of all the names, what he come up with? Crazy Uncle Joe. (laughs) Uh, Freudian slip? Uh, or or deliberate, uh, you know. I mean, part of it you, you got you got to wonder. Okay, are they are they getting ready to say, Joe, you ain't the guy? No, you're not running for re-election. I mean, I don't know if there was a uh, press Q and A with Macron yesterday, and I don't know if you saw this on the news, but as the the deal was ending, one of the reporters shouted out. Are you running again in 24? To which he said, uh, we'll talk. No, we're not going to talk about that right now. Which up to now, everything he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he did say, at first he said he's running. Then he says, well, it's a family decision. We'll talk about this over the holidays. And then yesterday, well, uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that right now. Anyway. Yeah, whatever, Joe. A group of Senate Republicans led by Senator Bill Cassidy is pressing Education Secretary Cardona over a panel his department say is stacked with liberal activists who support issues like critical race theory, CRT, and gun control. Quote, during the COVID-19 pandemic, it became evident that facilitating the relationship between schools and parents is the most successfully chartered At the local level, Cassidy said, Cassidy's a Republican from Louisiana, by the way, along with uh, John Kennedy. Therefore, I welcome the stated purpose of this council. However, it is troubling that you seem to have forgotten to include any actual families or local officials on this panel. Instead, the department has filled the council with organizations that have limited, if any, engagement on the local level. Most, if not all, of these organizations are liberal advocacy groups that seek to nationalize our education systems into a one-size-fits-all system while eliminating parental choice and leaving the individual needs of our students behind. The controversy over the committee officially called the, quote, National Parents and Families Engagement Council. The National Parents and Families Engagement Council, and yet there's no families or anybody representing local constituencies at all, this this, uh, uh, council comes amid conservative discontent over how the Biden administration has handled parental involvement in schools. Last year, Cardona solicited a letter from the National School Boards Association that compared protesting parents to domestic terrorists. 
So the same guy that calls parents that are involved in school board meetings, those same people he called domestic terrorists, he then turns around and says, well, we'll solve the problem by putting this committee together called the National Parents and Families Engagements Committee Council, and we'll stack the deck against parents, putting in groups that are against the right to bear arms and putting in groups that are for CRT and no doubt for transgenderism. Perhaps the most ridiculous addition to the council is the fact that they have made, as a part of this council, the National Action Network, which is led by Democrat activist Al Sharpton. (laughs) Another group, the Council of Parents, Attorneys, and Advocates, expressed support for stricter gun control positions. Uh, Every Town for Gun Safety is another organization, as well as major teacher unions, the American Federation of Teachers, and the National Education Association. Uh, Organizations that sued to keep Virginia's mask mandate in schools, according to the Cassidy-led letter. A lawsuit from the American First Legal Foundation against the council filed in July also alleges that 11 of the 14 groups on the council are made up of donors to President Biden. I mean, how in the world, when you have Cardona and the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, all of which accused parents who participated in school board meetings, all of which wanted the DOJ to come after them as domestic terrorists, that's who you put on the council. But back up a minute here. (laughs) This is a committee that is going to oversee education. And as a part of this committee, you appoint the National Action Network led by activist Al Sharpton. Just just let's just now now this we're talking about the education of our children. And you're going to put Al Sharpton on this committee. Play cut to Clark. But resist we much. We must. They're all jitty about a shutdown. The Tortoise in the race. Then co-author of Hubris. Siganoi Weaver, <laughs> suspect Jahar Sanaev, Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh. The show Rush Lombard hosts Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Is Mike, is Mike uh, Muckery yesterday, Antonini, Antonini, Scalia, both Cairo and Benghazi. We rank behind Latvia, uh, La Vita. First stop, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan to college students in Beijing. He's getting lunch at Chipotle in Iowa. Bain is appropriate. Why was traffic problems email sent? The Environmental <laughs> Projection Agency. <laughs> Pity the poor students. This is the guy you're going to put on an education committee. Unbelievable. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So, Sam Brenton, he is the uh, guy that shaved his head, grows a goatee, and uh, puts on makeup and dresses up as a woman. He is the guy that was overseeing nuclear waste policy for the Biden administration. Uh, He's also the guy that stole the luggage. He uh, stole a suitcase worth uh, over $2,300 up at the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul airport and uh, caught it on video, realized when he was caught, when he was guilty, he finally admitted, yes, that's what I've done. A reporter has asked the Biden administration whether or not he's still on the payroll. Now, this happened back in October when he was charged. It's now December. The uh, Dr. Kim Petrie is performing the duties uh, that Sam Brenton was doing. So he's not doing anything. He's on leave. And Fox News has contacted the DOE multiple times, has not received any response. A reporter has asked multiple times, is this guy still on the payroll? No response, which answers your question, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, at this point, yeah, the answer is he's still on the payroll. Isn't it curious? Have you ever noticed if it is a liberal who ends up taking a leave because of some impropriety they have done, they remain on the payroll. If it's a conservative, you're gone. You're out. No money. Goodbye. Hot Air is reporting the European Union has jumped on the electric vehicle craze. Big time. And now over in Switzerland, due to the cold winter expected, Due to the fact that we've got this war in Ukraine, Switzerland is putting forth legislation that would ban people from driving electric vehicles except in urgent conditions because there might not be enough electricity to charge the cars. I'm not talking about enough charging stations. I'm talking about not enough electricity to charge the cars. The cars. Switzerland could be the first country to impose driving bans on e-cars in an emergency to ensure energy security. Several media reports this um, said and referred to a draft regulation on restrictions and bans on the use of electric energy. Specifically, the paper says the private use of electric cars is only permitted for absolute necessary journeys, professional practice, visiting a doctor, attending a religious service, actually is a part of it, attending court appointments. A stricter speed limit is also planned on the highways. Most of the energy in Switzerland comes from hydropower. However, the country also imports electricity from Germany and France. If there are bottlenecks, electricity could also become scarce in Switzerland. Energy security in Europe is considered endangered because of what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, It's also endangered because of this ridiculous woke green energy policies 
much more so than what's going on in Ukraine. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We talked earlier in the week about the fact that CNN is cleaning house. A number of their correspondents, some of their anchors have left. Now, one anchor um, left going over to MSNBC. Didn't say whether she was fired, but she did say she was leaving and going over there. Why is CNN going belly up well they've gone been going belly up for a long long time they finally got an owner that says listen we got to make sure this place doesn't take the whole company down uh with your expenses and we got to get some viewers which we don't have yet another reason why cnn is going belly up remember former navy seal chris beck He was turned into a national figure when he came out as a transgender in 2013 in a CNN interview with Anderson Cooper. Um, The interview came after he co-wrote a book called Warrior Princess with psychologist Anne Speckhart. The book detailed him coming out as a transgender. Uh, He has now come out in an interview yesterday and said, I am detransgendering. I'm going back to being a man. He said he was manipulated. Now, it's hard to believe a Navy SEAL would be manipulated like this. But he said, I was manipulated by the author, by doctors, and by CNN. And uh, listen, we cannot be propagating what we're propagating concerning kids. And uh, he also said, don't believe anything CNN says about him. It's a lie. They're using him. Hey, listen, we got to run. Have a great weekend. Get out and enjoy. And we'll see you Monday at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.